Welcome everybody to Damage Radio. I heard here live on MockerRadio.com where music reminds me. You already know me, I'm Marcy. And alongside my guest, he's a father, a web designer, an artist, a pro wrestling fan, and most importantly, my brother from another mother, Dave Fowler. Dave, <laughs> back to Damage Radio, brother. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's been a long time. Too long. I know. Too I'm long. Sorry, we, go, dude, we go way back, man. What was it, like 11 years, 12 years now? Uh, yeah, I mean, it had to have been right. Cause yeah, at least, at least 11, 12 years, at least. Man. And I remember, man, I was thinking about like, uh, you helped us put together one of the first damage websites. I met you at Temple University. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I remember, I still remember to this day driving down there. We sat at the table. I think it was like a stone picnic table or something that was off to the side, like behind yeah. the building. I remember yeah. it. And um, I, I think I met you through Anthony Porter, right? Matt Porter's brother? I think I – well, I know I had done their CD layouts. And I think I got that – I mean, I, obviously, I played in a band back then, so we were all kind of connected. But I had done their CD layouts for – I don't remember the name of the album. Um, oh, man. It's on the tip of my tongue. Clashing Plaid? Yeah, it was Clashing Plaid, but I don't remember the name of the, the actual name of the CD that I did. But I did, like, the cover art for it and the, you know, the case art – you know, the, the jewel art and stuff. Um, and I think maybe that's how we got connected. I don't really remember. I remember the first time we met, but I don't remember like what facilitated us meeting. It had to have been Matt or Anthony though, because I mean, we right. both know both of them. So yeah. Matt, Matt, Matt or Anthony and pro wrestling. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Which helps everybody come together. So Definitely. Um, let's go back, man. What were your first thoughts on completely damaged, man? I mean, I thought it was awesome. You know, I just remember going to Comic Cons and just being, I mean, just the people you get introduced to. I mean, it's pretty cool when, you know, you see these guys that you've grown up watching from kind of a candid perspective when they're talking about stuff. And I mean, <laughs> just the way that they would abuse you sometimes is kind of a little unnecessary, but, you know, you could tell that you had had some kind of good friendships with people and, you know, that they genuinely cared about you. And I think they could tell that you genuinely cared about them too. Um, but it was it was awesome. Like it was cool to be a part of, just to see it, and as a wrestling fan, to see the interviews, and you know, it was cool that it was the people that you wanted to see get interviewed. You know, like when it was just or Scott Scott Hall, or I mean, you got Bruno Summer, uh, Bruno San Martino. Like you got some some pretty big names, man. Like you had them before the Hall of Fame had them. You know what I, know, I mean? Right? Like that's Harry Funk cool. before he went out there. I know, I know. That's yeah. that's it's really cool. I mean, even just hanging out with like DDP and. You know, it's it was a lot of fun. It's always been fun. It's just a lot of new experiences. Except when like Lita was just giving me death stares at the con. Remember that? I don't to this yeah, day. I don't yeah. know why. That was <laughs> I mean, the dirtiest looks. Yep. So let's talk about that comment. It was uh, me, Lindsay, and yourself at the Comic Con. Um, walking around, we got to meet Charlie O'Connell because he was doing that. Uh, three yeah, that's where pigs. that's where I met April Hunter. You yep. know, we met a lot of people there. Um, I met Peter Mayhew. Yeah, I met yep. Jimmy Hart. I mean, I met Peter Mayhew, who played Chewbacca in Star Wars, you know, rest in peace. I remember that. Yeah, but everybody was there. there. I think yeah. Paul Barrett was there. Um, mm -hmm. There's a lot of people there. I mean, obviously, Lita. Yeah, DiBiase was there. I don't know. I feel like some other people, too. But we met a lot of people. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. But the tipping on the iceberg, man, uh, Diamond Dallas Page. Yeah, meeting DDP was awesome. That definitely started, you know, friendship. That 10-minute uh, really cool. interview we had with him, and then we ended up getting his email address, and then... Uh, Ended up yeah. you traveling to a Lancaster Barnstormers game, like <laughs> to like do two video hours, audio I for him. Two yeah. hours before the time, and you're like, "What? I'm Let's there, bro." It. I'm like, "Seriously?" You're like, "Yeah." 
Well, how often do you get to do like photo and video for DDP? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, you know, yeah. I mean, it's cool. Cause actually like maybe three months ago, I emailed him be like, Hey man, I lost the, the damn DDP DVDs, you know? And he sent me new ones for free. No, he didn't. <laughs> he really did. He really did? He really did, man. He really did. He really did. Did he actually email you back too? Or? I didn't get an email back, but I emailed him and then, I like got an email from someone that was like, Hey, what's your address, your mailing address. And then they showed up in the mail. So obviously he was like, Hey, send this guy some DVDs. You know what I mean? Right. So Same cool. DVDs too? No, it was like, he sent me the whole, I no, you know what it was? I was missing one. I couldn't find one of the DVDs. And then I was like, Hey man, I can't find this one DVD. And then I, he sent me the whole set. So what? I got the whole set. That's nuts, man. I thought it was pretty cool. Cause I'm like, I don't know if he's going to remember me or not. You know what I mean? Right. And I get, I don't know if he does or didn't, but you know, Either way. <laughs> that, that was that was the cool part, man. Being I was in his hotel room, Lindsay's filming him. He's making salads, right? Making yeah. a salad, dude. <laughs> of all things. He has his diamond yeah. shirt on. And he lets <laughs> me hold the WCW title in the background, man. Oh my god. And I'm just that's... like, this is nuts. Then you guys did like a yoga in the Parker thing too, right? Yeah. Before that. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I hooked him up with that with a with a deal at Ambler, Temple Ambler, and uh yeah, man, it just well, he invited Nicole, you to come down to the, the studio. Like, he invited you to go down to his spot. Yeah, which I still want to do, Dave. So maybe one day. Maybe we'll one day we'll fly that. down there. You know, we'll, we'll, do yeah, a, we'll do kind of a thing. Maybe we'll bring Matt, too. We'll, we'll film everything, and, you know, we'll do, like, a little day in the life kind of thing. Definitely. Well, that, that's how you and I go back, man. But uh, tell the Damage fans a little bit about yourself. Well, it was a hot summer night in 1984. My mom and dad met. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Well, I mean, a lot of people probably know me just like we have a lot of the same kind of friends running the same circles. Um, left Rhode Island when I was 17, moved to Philly, was there for 12 years, um, did a whole bunch of odd jobs, got into art. Um, I initially went there for engineering. I went to Drexel for a year and then kind of find out you know, pretty quick that I didn't want to be an engineer anymore. I like music. So I spent probably the next like 10 years trying to be a musician and make money and make it quote unquote, you know, whatever that entails. And uh, just kind of got burnt out with the whole scene and decided that art was what I wanted to pursue. Initially, before I even started drawing, I started programming. Really? So yeah, I had, um, I had worked, it was, I was working like the electric factory and um, I was working in a little booth during the day, a little parking attendant and I was doing websites. And, I remember um, that actually. Yeah, I did a, a website for a company and, I, you know, the guy was like, how do you want me to pay? And I'm like, you know what? Just buy me one of these like little cheap $300 like notebook computers and I'll code everything on there. And that's when I started doing it. And then I uh, just kind of progressed from there and started doing my own stuff. And I mean, it was, a, it was a whole different thing back then than it is now. But um, that's initially what started. I got bit by that bug and I liked it a lot. And um, then it kind of transitioned to some other stuff. And, you know, I ended up getting a job as a full-time web developer and, you know, did a lot of different things, video stuff and whatnot. And, um, you know, but then I kind of got bit by the art bug and that's been, been around ever since too. So Definitely. take us back to the first bug, uh, the music, uh, what position, what, what um, instrument did you play? And, uh, well, I, um, you hooked on that? Oh geez. Well, I was, uh, it's going to sound like really cliche, but I was probably like 16 when I, I mean, I always had guitar. My dad, when he was around, he was a musician. So there's always instruments around. But I never was like serious about playing. And then um, it sounds really cliche, but I got Led Zeppelin, Houses of the Holy, and Kiss. Like you wanted the best, you got the best. And I was hooked. 
So I was super big, you know, really, really big in a classic rock. Kiss was like the first band that I wanted to be in. And, you know, I just thought Ace Fraley was like the coolest guy in the world. And I mean, I'd always loved music. Like I used to, you know, run around with a dish towel in my head when I was a kid, pretending I was Axl Rose and doing the moves. And right. I didn't grow up in the best neighborhood. I mean, we grew up, you know, Section 8 housing on welfare and the one thing that we definitely had in the house was a stereo system. You know, we didn't have food sometimes. We didn't have other stuff. But my dad made sure there was a stereo system in the house. So I just remember like his records and, you know, Zeppelin and all that kind of stuff too. So, you know, that's kind of, it was always around. And then um, I started jamming with some guy. A friend of mine asked me to be in a band. And then um, I was in high school. I think I wasn't even a senior yet. I think it was a junior maybe. And I didn't really know how to play. But I um, said, yeah, you know what, whatever, we'll go jam. And then I was kind of like, you know what, I really want to do this. And then I just got bit by it. And I just, I played all the time. Like, that's all I did. I mean, my first love was basketball. That's what I did more than oh, anything. Yeah. I love basketball. Played all the time. Like, you know, but then I had some issues with that. And it was like music kind of came in at the right time. And then, um, hold on one second. Okay. All right. I'm going to turn my TV off. And then I'm going to watch my iPad. Okay. My daughter just popped in to tell me what she's going to do. Live on Damage Radio. You never know what's going to happen here, folks. Yeah, you know, sorry about that. But um, yeah, man, I just, you know, played. I remember like the first time I ever really soloed, I was in my room, probably 16 or 17, listening to um, Black Sabbath, a live album. And I was like, oh my God, I can kind of solo. Like I can, I can play a little bit like this. And then, uh, I don't know, I, when I left home, I literally left home with a backpack and a guitar, like a bad Bob Dylan song and just my first band in Philly was like a Zeppelin cover band and everything just kind of progressed from one thing to another, you know, you meet people play, meet people play, meet people play. And, um, you know, we're playing shows. We put a lot of the venues around there. I mean, a lot of them probably aren't even there anymore, but, um, you know, the band, the last band I was in it, uh, everything kind of came to a head and I just kind of got burnt out with the whole, the whole business, the whole everything. I just didn't want anything to do that anymore. And I always had like really bad anxiety when I played and, um, like I hated, everything up to being on stage and everything after when the show was done, because like I had really bad anxiety. I just wanted to get out of there. And I think some people thought maybe I was kind of a jerk or whatever, but I just, I was so uncomfortable. Like I just, if I could have just went from like my car to the stage and played <laughs> and then from the stage back to the car, I would have been okay. You know, mm. but um, you know, it definitely it, it had its moments, but um, yeah, man, it's, just kind of realized that, you know, I still play, I still record, I still do all that kind of stuff, but if there's no aspirations of doing anything with it, it's, it's more just for myself now. So, but I'm content. Well, what was your mindset then? Like, was your mindset is I'm going to be the next best musician? No, my, oh, it was really? never going to be the next best musician. It was just always like, I just wanted to play and I didn't want to have to go work a real job. I just, you know, I wanted to do stuff. And I mean, I wrote songs and played with some good players and some good people and, um, you know, it's tough, man. Like that type of a business, there's so many very, like you could do everything right and things still just don't go right for you because there's so many other factors that you need to kind of line up that have nothing to do with what you can and can't, what, what you can control. There's so many things out of your control that have to line up for you to do anything with it. And especially nowadays, how much harder it is. And I mean, even like you look now, when's the last time that a band's played out? You know, it's just, it's just a really weird time. But my mindset was just to do the best I could and try to get better and write better songs. And yeah, I mean, it, it's, it, you learn a lot you do a lot of stuff. You learn what not to do. 
if I could go back and do some things again, but I do them differently, definitely. But I mean, for the most part, you know, I'm, I'm proud of what we did with the bands that I was in. Definitely. And then you got bit by a different bug. And that was the web designer bug. You said, yeah. Well, the web design stuff was kind of doing, I was kind of dealing with that as I was playing, you know, I, it's, I think really for me, the main thing is well, it's all creation. You know, whether it's art with a pen, art with a the keyboard, art on a, a guitar, you're creating something from nothing. And I think that's really what I've always been the most interested in was creating things, whether it was a song or a website or a picture. You know, it's when you're creating something, you're kind of getting into the tools and the mechanisms of how you're creating that stuff. Like those things always really interest me, which is, I think, why I wanted to get into engineering or at least I thought I wanted to get into engineering when I was younger, too. So. But, you know, the, the, the programming thing was just another way to express myself and do cool things and build cool websites. And, you know, it was another way to make money. And it was just design. You know, it's always a lot of the times like I did stuff. I just like to do it. I don't necessarily know why I did it. You know, I don't know why I liked it so much, but I, but I liked it. And I just try to get better at it. And, you know, I mean, back then it was a lot different, too. Just the programs you use, the software and. I mean, the, the technology that exists now didn't exist back then. You know, there's a lot of other things, but um, at the end of the day, it was all about creating. So, speaking of creating, uh, what are some projects that you did back then that still stick out in your mind that you're like, "Hey, I did a pretty damn good job with that." Well, I did a lot of graphic design work. I mean, I had a billboard on 76. I had uh, what was it? The Daily, not the Daily News. What's the paper that was from? I don't remember the name, but it was in Philly. It's like Philadelphia the, Inquirer. Not the Inquirer, but it was like Green. Metro. Metro. I did a full page ad on the back of the Metro. I did a couple, a bunch of things in the Metro. So you had that, a billboard? That, yeah, I had a billboard on 76. How'd you get that? It was a company. They were advertising the business, um, and I designed the billboard, and they paid for it and put it up. But I, I mean, it was wow. my artwork that I did. So that was really cool. I saw the pictures and stuff of that. So there's a lot of graphic design things that I did, You know, whether it be like commercial brochures and the websites. I mean, I look back, and it's funny. We're talking off uh, – off, off the record, I guess, a little earlier when I found a folder, really, like all my old work that I've done. And it was just like, wow, it's just crazy. <laughs> like looking at stuff from 10. I mean, it's no different than like looking at something you did 10 years ago, like looking at you, how you interviewed someone 10 years ago. It's like, oh my God, it's like, it's not bad, but it's like, oh, there's so many things I would do different now, you yeah. know? Like, so. like now, like that we have ex more experience, we wouldn't, wouldn't rush as much or we would yeah, you know, definitely. think about things a lot more. Definitely. Definitely. So then, you know, so you, you did uh, the, the music thing while you were doing the web design thing. Then what you're doing now, man, which is you're freaking phenomenal at. What inspired you to pursue drawing and, and sketching and all that stuff, man? So it's kind of a weird story. So I always grew up drawing. I love to draw, but it was more like cartoons. Like I wasn't, I drew all the time, but it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to be an artist one day. You know what I mean? It was just something I liked to do when I was younger. And then I didn't draw at all through like my teenage years, my twenties, you know, I, I didn't pick up a pencil until again, until I was probably like 28, 27, 28. Um, really, it's kind of funny. So I, I had an apartment in Jersey and then my wife, um, I think she was my girlfriend at the time. Maybe we were married. No, it's my girlfriend. No, I think we were married then. Either way. Better get that right, bro. <laughs> no, but it was me. Uh, my brother-in-law and a couple of his friends, and we went to the comic shop because I was like, man, I haven't bought comics in so long. Let's go to the comic shop. I'm like, okay. So I went and I bought a whole bunch of books because I, I left – I didn't leave Philly on the best of terms. 
Um, so I lost a lot of stuff, like some comics and cards and a lot of stuff from like being a kid. Um, so I went to the comic shop and got some new stuff. And then, uh, for some reason I was like, you know what? I want to start drawing. I don't know what it was. I was like, I want to draw. And I found some YouTube, like I went on YouTube and it was this cartoon block crew that I found. Um, it was like how to draw Hulk. And I started drawing. I was like, okay, I'm, you know, I used to like how to do this. And then I just never stopped. I have drawn, I mean, up until my surgery, there was a point that I drew every day for over five years. And the only break I took is because I was recuperating. <laughs> so that's crazy, man. So like you just started with the Hulk and then just kind of got inspired and started doing more and more. Yeah, man. I went from drawing at a kitchen table to getting a, a desk in the room, you know, in my living room. And now I have a studio, I have a full studio where I paint and I do all this other stuff. So, so, um, how'd the whole sketch art come into play? What do you mean? Like the like cards a, and stuff? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you did the cops, you did upper deck. Yeah, I've done upper deck. I mean, I've done license work for Star Wars, Walking Dead, Stranger Things, Terminator 2, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. You know, I just did a Star Wars set. I just sent it in last week. Um, yeah, the first license Star Wars, right? Of the year. Yeah, this first one this year so far. Um, I don't know if I'm going to do more. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. I always I always say no, and then I get an invite. And I'm like, okay, I guess I'll just do this last one. Yeah. Okay, one more time. But, um, pretty much. But uh, so I met... A lot of people through like the cartoon block group was good, um, you know, for a long time it served its purpose. And then I started getting better than like, the, well, not even so much better, but the direction I wanted to go with art, which was more like realistic kind of stuff. They were more, you know, exaggerated proportions, more comic-y, cartoony type, type stuff. So I just, you know, I didn't get as much from the lessons, but I did get a lot out of the friendships I made. And I'm still friends with people to this day, like really, really good friends of mine. So I met with them and, you know, everybody kind of knows someone who's like, oh yeah, you know, here's a contact for this and here's a contact for this person. And then I ended up reaching out to, to the companies and sending them some samples and they invited me. And it just kind of went on from there. I took um, almost two years off from, from the license work just because I was doing other stuff. But um, I did a set last year and I did another set this year. And, you know, we'll see what I kind of do going forward. I say no to more sets and I say yes to. It's just, they're very time consuming. They take a lot of time and, you know, as I kind of found out with the set I did last year, you take a set, you make a commitment, and then some things kind of happen that you don't expect. And then, uh, you know, that deadline's a little harder to meet than it might have been otherwise. So. so what's the deadline on some things? Sometimes you have two weeks. You know, sometimes really? it's 10 days. Yeah, sometimes it's a month, you know, very rarely. But, um, you know, everything, it's kind of like it went out last minute. And, uh, like, the minimum that you can do is, like, 30 or 40 cards, and you get two weeks to do them. So. Wow. So just like professional wrestling, you're your own business. You are the the ship of of, of that of that boat. Um, yeah, is it man, hard I, for you, know, you to be your own promoter and and go out there and and prove people oh, that man. you know what you're doing. Promotion, like as an artist, it's literally as much of a job as doing the art. You know, I mean, you can attest to this too. Like having to promote yourself, create that kind of brand for yourself, is the hardest thing you can do because you can't take time off. All the all the platforms and the algorithms are not designed to help you unless you spend money. So if you're trying to do it like organically, it's hard. I mean, I've been at it for years and it's still to the point like, you know, once in a while, I'll be like, yeah, you know, what? I actually had a really good month. I had a lot of sales this month. And then but then you'll have two or three months where it's like nothing. But um, yeah, it's not easy. The branding is tough, but you know, I definitely don't do as much as I as I could on that end. But you know, I got two kids. I got a full time job. I got 
a lot of other stuff that I'm doing, you know, house I'm trying to fix up and you know, recovering. And there's a lot of factors that go into it. So I just, I've kind of made peace with just doing the best I can. And, um, you know, art, art's a tough thing because it's a lot of, um, a lot of stuff that people don't see, you know, like when you just go through phases where you hate everything that you do and, you know, there's a lot of downs, there's a lot of lows when it comes to just this and kind of wanting to express something and want to create stuff and not feeling like you're doing that. And then you kind of get caught up in just recreating images and it's like, no, I don't want to just re rehash something that already exists. Like I want to take it somewhere else. And it, it, you know, if you're an artist, it doesn't matter if you're, if you're with a painter, if you're a musician, you know, you, you the ones that want to create, you're going to have the highest highs and the lowest lows. You know, if you're just playing guitar, you're playing covers and, or you're just, you know, drawing other pictures using reference and doing it, you know, trying to draw exactly identical to the reference. Maybe you're not going to be as kind of emotionally impacted by stuff, but when you're trying to really do something different, you're going to, like I said, you're going to have the highest highs and the lowest lows, you know? So take us, um, what would Dave tell young Dave when he first started out as being an artist that he, he wished you would have knew then that you know now? I mean, I don't know if it's so much things I wish I knew then, I think the one thing that I would have told myself would be something that I've kind of known all along, like just don't stop. You know, I don't think that people are um, super successful because they're super intelligent, they're super talented. I mean, obviously that kind of comes into play. You know, ability ability comes into play. Like I'm not, I'm not going to go out and no matter how hard I work, I'm not going to make an NFL team. I'm not going to go out and make an NBA team. You know what I mean? But not like if you can find something like art or something that you can do like physically just if you don't stop there's no reason that you won't be successful like the one thing i have a lot of artist friends and the one thing they always say to me is like dude i don't know how you make time to draw like oh, i wish i could make time but i remember one night because what i used to do i used to come home from work and i work a labor job now basically i'm outside all day you know i'm lifting stuff like i work for a family business that's why i moved back up here but um i uh you know, I come home at night, I'm tired. And I remember one night I sat there and I was trying to draw and it just wasn't happening. And that was the one like fulfillment I get in my life is the art. You know, everything else that I do, I do just to do, but that's the one thing that I do for me. And I remember one night it was just like, man, this sucks. Like, I just feel like I'm regressing. Like, I'm not doing what I want to do. I'm not spending enough time. Like, I can't spend enough time doing this. Like, even if I'm, I'm making the time, but you know, you can't compete when you have to be somewhere for eight hours and then you have to come home and be a dad. Like, you can't draw for eight hours a day. It doesn't matter what you what you you know what you try to do. So I was like, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna wake up tomorrow morning at 5:30. I don't have to be up till seven. I'm gonna wake up at 5:30. That way, at least by the time I go to work, I have an hour and a half in that I've drawn. So no matter what happens during the day, no matter how tired I am when I get home, I've already done what I wanted to do. Like I've got, I've made progress that day. And I started doing that like a year ago, and I've done it every day since. You know, so it's just kind of like you'll find that if you want to do something, you'll find the time. You know, Gary Vanderchuk had a good quote too. He's like, you're not lazy. You're just not doing something you like, or you're not doing something you love. That's so true, man. Yeah. So it's kind of like, yeah, man, I, I make time to do a lot of stuff. I mean, you know, the last six or so weeks I've been out of work for you know, some health reasons, but I've used that time to further my education, to take courses and get certified in things. Like I'm always, I'm always, you know me, man, I've always, I've always been doing something. I've always been trying to get somewhere. So, so in, in any business, any, uh, career path is all about networking um totally. you started, you started doing yeah right you started doing conventions 
Um, then you got that big poster thing with your name on it put yeah. by your by your table. Talk about like that first time that someone came up to your table and started asking you questions about your art <laughs> your first piece, man. Well, it's funny because so I first off I hate the banner that I have. I want, I'm getting a new one, but uh, yeah, I mean I have Spider Man on my banner, and I remember the first show I ever did. So I came up like, oh, you drew Spider Man. They thought I like work. I'm like, no, no, I don't work for Marvel. You know, it's just a character that I did. You know, it's just a drawing I did of him. But it was really cool. And um, the first show I ever did, I was doing. There, some of my favorite artists were there, so I got to go meet some of them and talk to them. And the art community's, for the most part, really welcoming. And um, just being able to like some of the people that I know, like I don't want to name drop, but like I'm actually close friends with these people. Where I talk to them quite often, and they're, you know, they're they're pretty well known artists. Like they're, you know, they're they're dads and, and stuff like that i mean they're they're pretty well known and they're super nice people and they're very welcoming and they're very willing to kind of teach you and look at things and help and give you advice you know I've, i really haven't met anybody that's been mean you know it's it's a real kind of communal feeling that you have with these people and they're really nice so you remember the first piece that you sold oh man uh I think I do. I think the first original I sold was a spawn that I sold at this like little hole in the wall con that I did in Jersey. Um, I don't remember where the hell it was. I remember, I remember being there. Like I, I just don't remember the name of the place, but um, yeah, I think that was the first original. The first show, I, the first con I ever did was like some, like a flea markety kind of thing with a bunch of old people. <laughs> and like, you know, grandma's crocheted mittens on one side and I had, you know, scented candles on the other side. And here oh, I am God. with, you know, Iron Fist and Batman and all this other art that I had. And I sold a couple of prints. I mean, it was pretty cool. I had pictures of that first show, but um, I had no idea what I was doing. You know, I, I did. I thought I did. And, you know, it, it's just, it's kind of cool how things progress and, and what you learn. But, right. you know, I was doing a lot of shows when I lived in Jersey's because they were all there. Um, you know, being back here, I haven't really had the chance to do shows because, I mean, I, you know, I did one, we went to one show in the fall and then the next spring, everything's been shut down pretty much since then. So. So you work for Upper Deck, you work for Tops. What was the what was that feeling like seeing one of your signed cards in a pack? Well, I mean, it's awesome, man. It, it's it's a really cool thing. I remember going out to the store and buying, like, I went out and bought a set. Like when Guardians of the Galaxy came out, I went to Walmart and I bought a pack of Guardians of the Galaxy cards. And I'm like, I just went to my local Walmart and bought this. Like, someone's gonna buy one of these packs and get one of my cards in there. You know, it's really cool. I mean, it's. It's an awesome feeling, you know. How can you not feel proud and feel good about that? And thinking uh, about does does tops or upper deck like send you something like you know like here for th thank you for doing this and send you like a card? Like, send me a check. Like, <laughs> no, that's 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 always the best. But, part, you know, I mean, we get some cards back that we get to keep and sell. You know, as as part of part of compensation. I don't want to get like too into the terms, but um, yeah. but yeah, no, you, I mean, you're compensated for it, and then you get some other comp forms of compensation too. But we don't. They used to send out boxes of like the set you worked on like a hobby box but they don't do that anymore um but i mean i collect cards too so it's kind of like kind of a, a lose lose because you don't you know you don't make a ton of money and then you spend the money on the cards you know so it's like they get a, they get it back anyway so right. <laughs> definitely so you did talk a bit about the first licensed star wars gig that you just did um mm -hmm. talk about how that process came about and uh did you enjoy it well so the the first one i did was just the first license one for this year i mean i've done I don't know the number as far as like what overall number that is for this. Are you talking about just this last one I did or just yeah. in general? Mm -hmm. So the last one, they just, you know, they invited me. Um, 
I emailed them back, you know, talked about some of the terms and then we agreed on them and then they sent me out the stuff and I drew on them. I can't share anything until the set's released. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was for Mandalorian season two. I'm pretty excited about that. Awesome. I can't share the artwork until the set's released, but, um, yeah, I, you know, it's, it was, How it was hard cool. is that, by the way, what to not share the artwork. It's super hard. Cause you know, it's like, especially nowadays where everything is content. Well, you're proud of it, but everything is content, content, content. And I have all this content I can't share for like six months, possibly, you know? So. You're sharing it with your dog or like your kid. And like a- yeah, I mean, well, like, you know, I, I share it with some people here and there. Maybe if, you know, it's there's some groups that you're a part in. Um, but, you know, I, I don't want to do anything that's going to like jeopardize. Because like, some people just share it all anyway, but I don't want to do that because you know, I'm always like, I'm going to be the one that gets caught and they're going to, you know, yeah. kick me off the list and this and that and. You know, but I mean, it's cool, man. Like a lot of people don't like the job and they voice their opinions about it, but I'm like, you know what? You're, it's optional. Like you're choosing to accept it or not. If you choose to accept it for whatever reason, good for you. If not good for you too, you know, but, um, it's, it's pretty cool to work on star Wars, man. I'm drawing Lucasfilm licensed, you know, material on Lucasfilm licensed stuff. With a special Lucasfilm license pen that you have to sign stuff with. I mean, it's cool, you know. Yeah. So take us back. So right now, you think of a piece that you want to do. Uh, talk to us about the process of start to finish. What goes on in your mind? How many times do you rip the paper up and walk away? Yep. And start over again? <laughs> Ripping up the piece of paper, I don't do that often. Very rarely does that happen. Um, how often do am I like thrilled with something I've done? Not often. Most of the time, I'm like, I don't like this. It didn't come out the way I wanted it to. But I'm not to the point where I'm like, oh, I gotta rip you up. I mean, I know some people that do and they feel great, but I just that's not. I don't feel the urge to do that. Mm-hmm. But usually, I have an idea in my head, like what I want to draw. Okay, I think I want to draw a crow. And then you know, because I, I'll look up some images for reference. And I'm really like at the point of my 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 career now where I'm focused on things like lighting and that I really want to make things like kind of stand out and, and, and you know a lot of contrast. And so I'll. I'll Cause I'm working all with inks now. So, I mean, my kind of like I progressed what I use to do different things as I go along too. And I'm pretty much exclusively working with ink. So I try to find things that I think I'm going to be able to pull off well with ink. Cause it's really dark and it's unforgiving, you know? Um, and then I just kind of do it. And then every drawing that I do, other artists can probably relate. There's always a point where you're like, Oh, nope, I messed this up. Nope, this is I, I messed it up. I'm, oh no, no, we're okay. Okay, no, no, we're okay. Okay, yeah, we're good. We're good. Yeah, it's like every single piece that I do. There's always that point where you're kind of you're you're going along and you think that you're nah, I don't know. Then oh no, 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 we're good. Okay, you know. And then um, yeah, you just whatever tells you that you're done is when you're kind of done with it. Um, yeah, there's not like a, a a hand you know rule book or something. It's like oh. I guess I have to do this or do this first. It's usually just kind of like, yeah, I feel like this is done or I kind of want to do a little bit more of this or, or whatever it is. And then and basically um, it's like taking you back to your Philly roots and just trusting the process. <laughs> yeah. Trusting the process for sure. I mean, it's, it's a good way to put it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just depends if I'm doing something to sell or just something. I mean, I have so many pieces of art that I've never posted that I won't post that I won't sell. I mean, it's cause it's, I have sketchbooks just filled with stuff that I've done and, you know, some pieces I sell and other pieces I don't sell. And I know that they can't see here, but I have like some things I've never posted before. But I have other stuff too. Like, you know, some of the stuff's big. Oh, nice. You know, 
Yeah, that's cool. This is Sleepy John, uh, Sleepy George Estes. And I got the crow piece here. You know, big stuff. Like some of the stuff I like. Will it ever now, sell? Can you do, I know. Can you do crow sting? Uh, yeah, I mean, I could definitely do crow sting. Like a joker yeah, piece and never been posted. That's awesome. You know. Because professional wrestling, that's huge, and like drawings, and maybe getting them signed. And it's kind of weird, man. I feel like professional like wrestling. They doing I an like, Undertaker would be pretty cool. I did the Undertaker. I did, but I did it digitally. Like a lot of the wrestling stuff, since it's so colorful and the costumes are like larger than life, I've done a lot of that digital wise just because I feel like it's just, I don't know, I think it pops more digitally. And then, um, you know, with the black and white stuff, it's just not, it's not as, as not on the thing. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'll definitely go do some stuff like that. That's cool, man. So, talk to us a little bit about your online store. She's fine. This is the, 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 the plus side of doing radio podcasts with kids. <laughs> definitely. Uh, tell the Damage fans a little bit about your online store. I have a website. It's uh, df3inc.com. Uh, I just have just a kind of list of some of the stuff I've done, just a lot of stuff for sale. Um, you know, pieces up there I put up there. I do, I mean, obviously, like I have some more expensive stuff, but I've been starting to do some just like $50 sketches that I do. Um, they're up there. It's always free shipping on everything. And I mean, it's kind of like my little hub. I, I put a lot of stuff on there. Um, just artwork. I mean, I have um, a Patreon for my comic that I've been doing called Reclaimer. Um, all the links to everything is on my, my main website, the df3inc.com page. But um, yeah, you know, I'm a comic that I've been working on for two years now, and um, multiple pages are done. I'm still working on stuff. Like I said, I took a little bit of a break just with everything that I had kind of going on. And, um, I actually started doing some work on that two nights ago, or actually, no, it was last night, because uh, I've been doing it digitally. But then I decided to kind of whip out some old artboard, and I started doing a couple pages traditionally, inking, and that's that's the cool thing about it. You can, if you want to do this one day, you can do something else the next day. You know. Well, you mentioned the Patreon page. Let's go to that now, man. Uh, I remember you had like different levels. And yeah. People actually bought the levels. How cool is that feeling, knowing that people would like don't just go for like the ninety-nine cent. They actually went for like the like the big level, man. Yeah, I mean, well, I definitely when I first did, I'm like, there's no way someone's gonna pay X amount of dollars a month. And then I like three people signed up for that. I was like, holy crap! You know, like, wow, people actually do care. But I mean, I, I've I've gotten so much support, no matter what it's been from people. So it's it's really awesome. Like there's there's a core group of people that really genuinely support me, and um, you know, they will always support me or whatever I do art wise. And and I mean, I met so many friends, like close friends that I have just through whether at websites, you know, or drawing. I mean, like my closest friends in the world are people I've met through the arts. You know, they really it is. So for the damage fans out there that don't know what Patreon is, um, for your page, for example, what are like the well, levels like? Like, what do they get? Well, I initially was going to do an OnlyFans, but uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh-oh. Watch out. <laughs> but no, I mean, I just have some levels. Basically, like everybody kind of get – so my highest tier patron, everybody got an original piece of art last month. Um, you know, they – I asked them, hey, what do you want? You know, I had a Cobra Commander go out, I had a Mandalorian and Boba Fett piece go out. Um, I got a Captain Carrot piece going out to some people, you know. But I try to do as much as I can. Um, you get how-to videos, you get updates, you get all that stuff. You know, I do a lot of process videos on how I do things. And Patreon people, you're able to see, you know, the good thing about when I work digitally is the app I use actually records time-lapse video. So, 
all the pages that I've done, I'm going to release as time-lapse videos with commentary and everything else and patrons will get to see that. So you get to see all the stuff behind the scenes like that you wouldn't see otherwise. So it's pretty cool. I mean, if you're interested in comics and you like what I do um, and you don't, you know, first off, everybody that subscribes, even if you subscribe for just a month, you get a free copy of the book and I'm doing a digital and a hard copy release. So you're going to get a free copy of the book and you get free art. You know what I mean? You get a lot of cool stuff. So, and what are the prices like? Um, I mean, there was a ten dollar. Uh, I think there was a. Five, I'd have to look because it's it's been a little bit since I've you know messed with the tiers. But there was like a, a five dollar tier, ten dollar tier, and a fifteen dollar tier, I believe. So. And that's per month. Yep, that's per month. Awesome. So let's take it back. Let's go to a different aspect. Let's go to your Instagram page, Code with Dave. Tell the fans a little bit about that. Uh, yes. You just started that up. <laughs> yeah. Um, basically, when I'm applying, when I'm looking at jobs as a programmer. A lot of companies want to see your social media presence. They want to see, you know, your Facebook, your LinkedIn. They want all this stuff. So I'm like, you know, what I'm going to do. I'm going to create because I love being a developer, and I think it's kind of cool that I'm self-taught. I didn't go to school for this stuff. You know, boot camps, my own cert, like going through these courses and getting certified. Maybe it's going to inspire somebody else. I think it's pretty cool just just to kind of document things. Um, you know, initially when I started doing video stuff, I wanted to be a documentary filmmaker. So I mean, it's kind of like the natural progression, just to wanting to document stuff. Um, but yeah, I started, uh, uh, I was able to get the Instagram handle code with Dave, which I didn't think I was going to be able to get, which I thought was kind of crazy. And I just start posting some of the stuff that I'm doing, you know, and it's, I mean, it's okay. You know, I'm not expecting anything of it. It's just kind of cool that now I can give that to people. And, you know, if companies are looking at me, they can see that I'm willing, I'm trying to give back and trying to include other people and, and learn or, you know, share what I know and learn. And I think it's just awesome looking at kind of stuff and like little tips and tricks and, and different things you can do. That's awesome. So um, you're in the process of getting certified as a full stack developer. Talk about that process and uh, what will you be able to offer when you get the certification? Well, hopefully companies will be able to offer me more money. <laughs> you know? Yep. But so basically, you know, not to sound too technical, but full stack is a mix of front end and back end. So front end is essentially your design elements, you know, your HTML, CSS, JavaScript, that type of stuff, your web design. Backend is more databases, how things connect, um, you know, hosting, that, that end of things. So you have your front end and back end, put them together, it's considered a full stack. Um, I, I, I like full, I like front end, like that's my, my passion because it's the design, that's the art, that's the user interaction type thing. So I mean, that's, that's the stuff that I really like, but it doesn't hurt to kind of know how things work, you know? So I mean, it's, that's kind of like what you get into as well. Like you love being in front of the camera but you're also trying to learn as much as you can behind the camera too. So you know, it's good to kind of know things. You don't have to be an expert, but it's good to have an idea of how things work. And especially when you're getting into web development, if you're going to be as a developer, if you're going to be working with an engineer, it's good that if you have an understanding of what they're going to deal with that way, you know, when you hand something off to them, you can do a better job of preparing it for them, making sure it's right. And you know, then it makes it less, it makes it easier on them. So. And like for for me, for instance, like I I finally got a MacBook Pro. So, no kidding. You know, and I want nice. to try to start editing my own damage videos when, when COVID media finally goes away. We can actually go to shows again. So my my own thing is trying to find how to do the Final Cut Pro. And well, luckily for you, you can download DaVinci Resolve, which is free and it's okay. robust and it's industry wide. It's there's a lot of professional companies that use DaVinci Resolve for photo or for, for grading, like lighting elements and things like that too. It's a simple so, to color use. Color correction. 
nothing's going to be simple to use, you know, but you, you live in the age that you can literally teach yourself anything. So spend some time on YouTube, go through some videos, go on. There's some other, um, I can't remember the name of it, but there's a, um, there's a community that's like 10 bucks a month and they, it's for creative arts. I'll look up the name and I'll send it to you later, but they give courses. You can learn how to do anything. Like my buddy in uh, London, my best friend, Paris, Paris, he's going through, yeah, he's going, you know, Paris, I've known him yeah. for a long time, but he's like my brother from another month too. But he went through Udemy and did a bunch of courses on DaVinci Resolve. He's doing all the stuff in Photoshop. Like you pay 12 bucks, you get a 50 hour course sometimes with a Q and A and access to different things. And you come out with a new skill, you know? That's awesome. So what are your goals for 2021 now? Man, my goals for 2021 essentially is be healthy. Um, but it's to really just be in control of my own destiny. I want to be able to do what I want when I want. I want to be financially secure. I want to have, you know, I really want to get it. Like my, my big goal for art is to go have a gallery show. I really want to have a gallery show this year. I don't know if um, that's something that's like realistic just with, everything going on with the pandemic. Um, but I, I did want to get this comic published. I want to get it done and I want to have a gallery show. Those are my two biggest goals art wise. You know, programming wise, I'd really like to get a job, um, you know, something full time and uh, everything else in my life is pretty much where I want it to be. You know, I really, really can't complain about anything. You know, I live in the age of WandaVision and yes. cool action figures and move. Like I, there's nothing like that I could, I, I yearn for nothing. I really do. I'm very fortunate. So talk so. a bit about um, learning the balance between family, uh, your shoot job, your, your, your career of being an artist, everything. How do you balance everything out? Have you, have you learned yet? Well, I mean, I think you're always learning, but I think yeah. that time management is a skill that I have. that's pretty good. Like I'm able to, to manage my time. And I mean, really it just comes down to having a good partner. You know, my, my wife is, she knows that I'm working hard trying to get a job, trying to do other things. So she'll make sure that she gives me the time I need. She'll take the kids. But, you know, when she wants to get up at 530 and do a ride on the, the exercise bike and all that kind of stuff, like I'll take them too. So it's, it's a good trade off. Like she's got stuff she wants to do that I help with. I got stuff I want to do she helps with because we know that we're not going to be able to do it without each other. You know what I mean? But, you know, dude, wake up earlier. You know what I mean? If you want like not to sound harsh to people, but. The only thing I did, like, I'm not super talented. I'm not super smart. Like, I just didn't stop. The only thing I've done differently is I just put more time into it than other people have. You know, there's always time. Even if you get, you know, if you take a 20-minute bathroom break in the morning, take a 10-minute bathroom break and take 10 minutes doing something else. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I don't have cable. I don't watch a ton of TV. Like, I, I try to minimize what I do. I mean, I, I just, I'm very productive. Like, I don't really spend my time doing things that aren't either art or programming or spending time with the kids or, you know, doing something with the wife or making dinner. Like it's, you're busy, but it's a good busy. So. Right. So a few times in this interview, you mentioned health, uh, as far as, you know, what you can say on air, um, say tell, damage fans, <laughs> tell the fans a little bit about what, what was going on, man. What happened? Well, um, around my birthday last year, October, I, uh, had some health things going on that initially were like, Oh, oh no, we think everything's okay. And then came to find out that it ended up being cancer. Um, it was kidney cancer. So, I mean, it, you know, as far as cancers go, it was kind of the one that you want from what I understand. Um, so long story short, January, I had a kidney removed. So I'm a one kidney guy now, but it's okay. I mean, they took my favorite one, but what are you going to do? But uh, and you have a really kick-ass shirt. 
Dude, where's my yeah? I have, I have a couple. I have a, uh, a couple good shirts. It was you know, F Cancer is one, and then um, I have the Where's My Kidney shirt that I actually wore to the follow up with the surgeon. Did you? <laughs> Which was he thought was pretty funny, but that's me. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I you know, I had a good. Uh, I'm still healing. I'll still show you. There you go. Jeez, man. So I got all the holes here. They those didn't number abs, on me, dude. Yeah, those right. Abs, you still have those abs. Bro. Yeah, right. But uh, no, I mean, I lost 20 pounds in three days after surgery, and there's a couple times afterwards. I'm like, I don't, am I going to make it through this? Like, am I going to be okay? Because I did, they did hernia surgery too. Um, mm. But I can't. I went, ended up going to Boston. They're going there once a week for treatments and stuff. And but um, as of now, I'm cancer free. Good. I go back once a month, every month for blood work and stuff like that. And you know, they just want to make sure that it never comes back. And if it does, they're on top of it. So let's talk about those meals for wheels, man. How well it was a meal train thing. <laughs> yeah, the meal train thing. How yeah, did man. that feel, bro? Knowing that people, you know, would, would help you out like that. I mean, it was a it was a, a kind of a great feeling and a terrible feeling at the same time because you're just like pride's a weird thing. Um and then I'm as much as I haven't been a personal person at times, just playing music and you know having a website, like I've never really been much to share. Like even my, my Instagram, I don't share pictures of my kids. You know what I mean? Like I just, I'm very kind of um, personal when it comes to that kind of stuff, just because I don't know, it's people, not everybody has good intentions, but um, it was kind of weird being that transparent and being coming out and saying stuff. And I don't know. I mean, it's, you're super vulnerable and, then you have people that are oh my God, are you okay? You know, it's like, I don't know. You're kind of opening a bunch of doors with, with that kind of stuff. But yeah, man, I, I couldn't believe the amount of support that we got from people. It was like, it was so overwhelming. And then it's hard too. Cause you know that you're never going to be able to, to like reciprocate or really kind of put into words, like how much that helps and how much it means to you. And not even just money, just people coming with food and people checking in on you, texting you and calling. And, you know, I mean, it's, if you ever feel like you're not important to people, you're, you know, you're wrong. You know, like you really don't realize how important you are to people until something like that happens. So. So what's one quote that would describe you? Uh, I think resilient. <laughs> well, one word. There was a quote when I was in my early twenties, I was, um, I don't remember where I read it or saw it, but I remember what it was. It was when you change things about yourself, your place in the world changes. And it's very true because when you start changing things that you do, you start being more accountable, things change for you. You know, like obviously the universe, you kind of need its help sometimes. But I feel like if you kind of do, you know, we've had conversations in the past, like just do the right thing now, make the right decision now. It doesn't matter what you've done, what you think you've done, anything else. It's just like make what you think is the best decision in the moment. And you do that enough and things start to get better. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's a process, man. Trust the process is right. Like you said, but we're all, we're all still learning. So, and, and especially with this pandemic, self care is so important. I'm not ashamed. I talk to a therapist once a week, you know, I'm not yeah, ashamed here, of that at all. Um, my life has been exponentially better since I started talking to someone. Um, just like you realize that you're carrying around bags, like you're afraid to have people look in. Yeah. And then you realize that the bags are empty. You know I mean? It's, it's super powerful, but, um, I feel better than I've ever felt in my life. Um, I, I really do. Like I'm genuinely very happy. There's, 
there's a lot of good things going on and you know i just i hope that they keep kind of going so definitely so it wouldn't be damage radio if we didn't end this conversation about pro wrestling oh man the good stuff (laughs) let's talk about man when did you become a fan of pro wrestling was a certain match or promo or wrestler that got you hooked i remember as a kid i was obsessed with demolition because i just thought that they were the coolest thing the Rick Derringer one, especially like, here comes the ag, you know? Yeah, dude. Yep. I just thought like the makeup, the cot, like I was like, wow. And then Legion of well, Road Warriors at the time. And then Legion of Doom as they came in the WWF. I was just, I thought they were the coolest things in the world. And then I just remember, like, I always remember being a fan. I just, I never remember a time where I wasn't a fan, you know, from Bret Hart, Undertaker. I mean, those were my all-time favorites. I was just obsessed. I loved it. We got every pay-per-view. I mean... I dressed up like them. I had all the toys. It's like I had rest WWF magazine. I had the subscription to that. I mean, it was I was obsessed. I was obsessed with it. Was there a certain match that you remember from Demolition that you were just like in all of? Or I just remember them versus like the Heart Foundation. I mean, yes. all those matches like those were great. I mean, I still watch so much of that stuff. The network is great because you can go back and watch all the old pay per views and right. being able to show my kids stuff and. You know, my daughter has just turned six, and it's like, hey, look, here's the the debut of the Undertaker at Survivor Series. You know, it's like, oh my god! But it's there's still those matches are still so engrossing. Like they're you, you get into them. I mean, they're great. Like I feel like I think that's the biggest difference between the wrestling that we kind of grew up with versus today. Is I feel like today they're too busy focusing on executing moves, whereas I feel like back in the day they told a story. Like yeah. Bret Hart was technical. He was you know the best or excellence of execution. But, dude, that guy threw the best punches in the business. To this day, I say Bret Hart threw the best punches. But that guy told us, like, it's the little things. When he gets knocked down, he's on his back. He's got his little leg up in the air. You know, it's just all those little nuances. Like, he told a story. But I remember, I think the first match that I remember, like, wow, this is insane, was uh, WrestleMania, Caesars Palace, Undertaker versus Giant Gonzalez. Dude. (laughs) No. (laughs) <laughs> That's the first match that I remember being like, oh, my God, what right. is this? You know? Yeah. And then that same JR's night. JR's on the camel going backwards? What? I do. I know. And then that yeah. same night, you had Hogan, you know, taking the belt off Yoko after he just beat Bret Hart. And right. There's so many. Ma- I remember, like, for some reason, it sticks out. It was the um, Falls Can Anywhere Crush versus Macho Man. You know, those matches were great. All the Stone Cold Bret Hart matches. I mean. First Hell in a Cell, like there's so many matches. I remember the Lex Express when he finally got on the Intrepid, I think it was, and Body Slam Yokozuna. Mm, There's like so many memories. I remember Undertaker versus Undertaker at SummerSlam being like, what the hell is this? Like there's two, like, oh, you know, so that's when kayfabe was real. Like you thought, you know, that was, that was, life was so much better when kayfabe, you know, when they kept, when you thought that stuff was real and, you know. But let's talk about, like, now, man, how, like, there's been a resurgence in professional wrestling with AEW. Like, yeah, AEW I mean, at, is with it's Invasion awesome. with uh, Impact and New Japan Pro Wrestling. It's really cool. So, well, like, like, my favorite Sting wrestler. Is getting his, like, like, Sting, dude. Dave, is getting his, uh, you know, <laughs> his resurgence. I never, ever thought, after watching him take those buckle bombs, man, I'm like, oh, that's yeah. it. He's done. Like, thanks, Seth Rollins. You ruined his career. Right. But uh, to see him take bumps again, I'm like, first off, was he 62? Probably, man. Yeah. You know, he's in his 60s. I know that. And I'm like, what? Like, that guy, he's all for the love of the game, you know, the love of the business. I think it's awesome. But, I mean, my favorite wrestler now is AJ Styles. He's been for years. Um, 
so it's been kind of cool watching him through New Japan and everything, and you know, even TNA for some of the stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, it's. I think that. I think it's great to have other companies. I mean, what made like the '90s so great was the the Monday Night Wars. You know, if yeah. if one of the companies hadn't been there, would it been, would it have been that good? Would you have seen you know the memories that you have? Like, I don't think you would. I think there needs to be competition. You know, I don't think that one wrestling federation to rule them all is the way to kind of go. I mean, that's how it's been, and you've seen how the product's been. You know, publicly traded company, they can't really, you know, they're really limited. The product's geared more towards it. Like, I think that the same way when I go to the comic shop, there's comic books that are geared towards the kids. There's comic books geared towards the adults. You know, you want to have a choice. And I feel like this is what's great about AEW and other things, too, is they give you the choice, you know. And I think I you're just doing the, the fans, man. angle very well. I miss the fans. I like for me when I'm like, man, Drew McIntyre had one of the most satisfying title wins, and it was at the performance center. Like that guy was such a good champion, and he never was champion in front of the fans. You know, like for Braun Strowman. Yeah, dude, oh my God. Well, at least Edge had the rumble return. Yeah. But you know, look at Braun Strowman, how hard that guy's worked. So many people hate on him, but that guy works hard, man. Yeah. And look at how much work he's put into himself, like how he looked now versus how he looked when he came in. And like that guy won the title and nobody's there to cheer for him. I, I think that's just kind of sad. Don't get me wrong. You know, I'm happy that they're still putting out product, but I just feel bad for the performers because it's like you get so much off the crowd and you no, know, there's no crowd now. And I, more power to him for being able to, to keep on. Like if you can do it now, I'm at, like, I, it, I feel like they're just going to be so much better off as performers when the fans do come back, you know? So I'm filming out here live at RC's bar, man. So when is RC going to get a completely damaged drawing of himself I can put out here, man? How great oh, would that be? That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, we'll definitely we'll work something out. We'll do something. We'll see what you want. Dude, that'd be fantastic, man. So tell the damage fans if they want to follow your journey, man. Buy merch. Tell them again where can they go and follow you. So yeah, I mean, I just saw art. You know, if you want, if you like my art, you can follow me on Instagram, um, Dave. Or excuse me, DF3 Inc. is my Instagram handle. I believe it's my Twitter handle as well. <laughs> but my website's df3inc.com. All my links are on there. Um, you know, like I said, from YouTube, I have a YouTube channel. I upload content pretty frequently. I do a lot of time lapse videos and process stuff there. So if, if you're in the process and how things are done, definitely subscribe on YouTube. That's free. You know what I mean? You can check stuff out. I try to post as much as I can. And it's good content too, and it's good videos. Um, but Instagram, you can follow me. I post on there pretty frequently. Um, but if you are looking to buy art, I do take commissions. I'm open to requests at the time. You can mail, you can email me through the website. You can, you know, message me through Instagram, whatever you want to do. But df3inc.com, that's my main, uh, my main website. And guys, trust me when I say this guy is uh, fantastic at everything he does. He puts 110% into everything. His drawings are fantastic. Support this man. He's been through hell and back, and. He puts legit stuff out there. He's one of the best I've seen. Thank you very and, much. Um, I really appreciate that. If you need that. a cameo from him, let me know. <laughs> and he'll do a cameo for $2, man. $5, oh, whatever. Man. I'll do it for free. Cameo. That's, you, that's great. That's so funny. Dave, this was awesome. Man. I really appreciate your time, bro. Hell, I really appreciate having me on, man. It's been, it's been too long. Yeah. So I know you've been asking me, and I finally was able to make some time. Only had two interruptions, which is pretty good. Right. So an average, kids, of, right? average of one per kid, we're doing pretty good. Right. <laughs> so. But so, yeah, man, I appreciate fans, it. Remember, I no doubt, man. So remember, damage fans, don't keep it nice and neat. Keep it completely damaged on monkerradio.com, where music and minds meet. Thanks, Dave. Thank you, buddy.
Completely dead!